0: If your loved one is at risk of a fall, the Symphony Medical Alert System from CVS Health can help support their safety in their home with 24-7 emergency monitoring, even when you can't be there. Terms and conditions apply. Learn more about Symphony at cvs.com symphony or find it at your nearest CVS Health Hub.
1: Hey, so before we get started, I wanted to talk to you guys about Disney+. Plus. Now, I know by now you've probably heard about Disney+, Plus, the new streaming service that includes Disney, Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, and National Geographic. With all these amazing brands in one place, Disney Plus has one of the most incredible libraries in the entire streaming landscape, and it's all ad-free. From classics like Snow White to today's blockbusters like Captain Marvel and Avengers Endgame, the content on Disney Plus is truly unparalleled. And if all that isn't enough, Disney Plus even has originals like The Mandalorian, the first live-action Star Wars series. So don't miss out. Go and sign up today and start streaming and tell them Hey sent you. What's going on ladies and gentlemen, it's 2020 and I'm your boy CEO Hayes and you are tuned in to The Awakened Soul Podcast. Listen, I know I took two weeks off, this has been my longest break from my baby since we started, um, but I really wanted to A, take time off to just enjoy the holidays, enjoy my family, uh, the kids and, and and all that good stuff. Um, I usually always power through it and work through it, but I really wanted to take it off and come back uh, with a refreshed mind, refreshed content uh everything uh coming out of 2019 and going into 2020 we have some new things planned on this podcast now this week's episode we're gonna have a brief in the minor hay segment which you guys are used are used to by now but we also have a new segment um and i can't wait to bring you bring you guys this that segment is actually not by me it's about uh my new co-host and so um She'll have her own segment, and you guys listen to it. The content on that is going to be completely up to her and uh, what's on her mind and all that good shit. So, can't wait to bring you guys that. I just can't wait to see how you guys feel about it. And then, like, to mix it up, uh, me and her will be doing the show, hosting the show together usually once a month. So, it's it's just some mix-ups that's that's coming Well, mixed (laughs) mix-ups we're mixing it up coming out of 2020 we're really trying to get back into that radio style presentation and segmenting that we had because as you guys may have known i uh i I posted about it uh the Awakened soul now streams on mile high radio so that's a great uh like new platform for us you also heard uh should have been if i did my job right something new at the beginning of the podcast which is big shit i just i it's really all coming together uh coming into 2020 um on top of other things we're going i just was confirmed for the manifestival. festival uh so that's taking man- manifest and turning into a festival um in dallas in february 28th through march 1st so be on the lookout for that that's just gonna be amazing 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 all right um but yeah so i mean this week's episode we do have glinda in from uh, a seat at the table podcast and me and her have an amazing conversation and discussion we actually recorded this one before the new year but i held on to it i wanted this one to be the first episode of the new year because it was a great conversation i know it's going to be revamping the podcast and just we're well, not really revamping but adding uh the new segment in and uh at that time i didn't know that the mile high radio thing was going to come up. so we'll, we'll talk more about that kind of in, in the minor Hayes that we're know oh, this is like the longest cold open Ever, especially now with the newness at the beginning of it. Uh, but uh yeah, we're gonna go ahead, we're gonna get into our intro music, and I'll catch you guys right after this. The following
2: is a breaks media podcast.
0: You're now listening to the best podcast in the world, The Awakened Soul, hosted by my dad.
1: 2020 has started off with uh, the baby got arrested. Uh, we got airstrikes and a terrorist being killed. We have fires in Australia. Uh, we also have Twitter blatantly allowing for an edited video uh, of Joe Biden uh, like that completely alters his message go around and basically just said, huh, it's not in violation. Um, all happened amongst other things so far in just the less than a week that this uh, new decade has started, right? And so I hope that, like, with all this that's happening already, like, we have to keep our eyes peeled. We have to watch everything head on a swivel Um, because at this point now with uh, that Twitter video that has been viewed over, I think, two million times at this point, if not close to it, um, that really just completely deters this message. And what did I say? The last time that I talked to you guys, I did say pay attention like with the with the whole impeachment thing, everything is, it's so many smoke screens that are going on now. So with that being said, like we've talked about here on this podcast before controlling your narrative, right? And the ability to control what you react to, to control what you take in, and also the control over your own narrative, over your own actions and, and what goes on in your life and the importance of that. And that's really what, Everyone is using not everyone, but mainly what social media is used for, especially by a lot of politicians, about a lot of outlets. It's all used to control a narrative. A lot of news is also used to control narratives and everything has its own agenda. Right. And that hasn't been any more evident than anything that's just going on in the first couple of days of this year. Now, it's funny also that a video from 2012 with Trump saying that Obama was going to start war with Iran and then his actions coming up and, you know, context changes and everything with that being said. Um, but more importantly than anything going on right now, heading into this new year, heading into the election. This is just it's 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 an an important time. You know, I get it. The black Twitter and the World War Three tweets are all funny. It's all fun and games. And it, it's hilarious. And I will say that. Um, and another thing that's happened to start off 2020 um, Collider, which has been around forever, uh, since the amc days really shut down a lot of their video department so like um it's just it's 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 a lot out there right and so going into this new decade we need to to stay on top of things we need to not let the media and the news kind of dictate information to us and us just not or take it at face value i take nothing at face value anything anymo- anymore anymore and I don't mean that offensive to like people who I work with and I don't necessarily take stuff from value with them without I always, you know, trust but verify, as the old saying goes. We need to be doing that going in to this year and this election with everything. Because if you can't and haven't noticed, this shit is getting real. It's getting scary out here. And we joke about like the the going to war and the World War Three and the being drafted things. A lot of the part the the point of Laugh of making jokes about that is because you you have to kind of try to laugh at it to keep from crying certain times with certain things, right? And that's what's happening in this wonderful start to this beautiful ass, sexy ass decade. Is we see what's happening, and a lot of and you know I I know my listeners are smart is fuck and they stay on top of you because you listen to this podcast. So I know you guys watch and I know and I say that all the time. I'm not saying everyone needs to stay on top of of politics because you know it, that that's something i do and what i believe in but i understand that how serious it gets um talk about controlling narratives we also have Survivor r kelly too out like it, it's, it's it's been a crazy ass start to this year with everything that's going on um and overall with all that being said and I don't believe in resolutions. So I'm not going to talk about that in this, in the mind of Hayes because I didn't make any fucking resolutions. I believe in setting goals absolutely for yourself. You set goals for the year. You set goals for the quarter. You set goals for the week. Absolutely continue to set goals for yourself. What goals have you set for yourself going into this year? I'm just, just wondering like, because we all need to up our game and up our ante and take personal responsibility. Don't set goals for yourself. That really are just what other people do. Like, it's just like that whole false sense of accountability thing uh where you say your issues are uh, whatever we're not gonna we're not gonna i'll go into a whole fucking other thing with that but set your personal goals right and really take an accountability and, and a look at what you did in 2019 where you could have improved at what do you want what did you do good what did you do bad and then really set and hold yourself to new goals have accountability partners for your goals right so oftentimes like us and especially i find this in our community in the black community we're we're scared to verbalize those goals because we're afraid that if we fail especially verbalizing them to other people that then it will be used against us and thrown back in our faces right because if we fail to hit, hit those goals set those goals and i know i'm kind of jumping all over the place but that's what's going on in my mind right now like the start of this year really has just been a fucking like just me just looking at this shit and because i haven't podcasted there's so much i want to talk about i going to talk about the guy in florida who was breaking into people's houses and sucking on women's toes and that's just, like i want to talk about all this shit because so much has happened um with, with like sex sex trafficking and, and it's, it's just been a lot in the in the early part of this year already but i want to stay positive we're going to stay positive we're going to get into the shits next week i'm not taking it easy on you guys next week so we're going to talk about goals and one of the goals that i have set Fourth, for myself, this podcast, The Breaks Media, is overall a refinement, right? You heard the Get the Fluff Out episode last year where I talked about how I relied on certain topics and issues and I got away from getting deep, right, from talking about the uh, the deeper topics. And so that's what we're getting back into. Um, but something more that I that I'm holding myself accountable is that I'm no longer going to be afraid to let my light shine. And that's something that I've done for myself off and on. You know, I know I'm I'm I can be cocky at times and you'll see well, I mean let your light shine if if you're fucking cocky. I don't I don't mean that. I don't mean boasting. And what I mean but let like my light shine, I mean truly let what's in my heart come out, right? I mean stop being afraid to feel openly. Like my family knows my feeling. They get to see that side. Very few people get to see that emotional side of me. Sometimes when I post pictures with my kids and you see us having our um, our moments, that's like the most you really get to see in my like emotional side. And so over the course of this year, this year, you go, I'm going to learn to be more open and let that light shine. Um, Bonnie from Addicted to Romance is on me all the time about my light. And so, um, yeah, that's something that I'm focused on. And I'm also focused on also providing resources for people and you know, that's a way of letting my light shine. So we'll see. Also for my photography uh, stuff and videography stuff, I'm really, really looking to refine that as well and and improve my skills there. We're taking it to the next level, thinking about um, just everything that I want to do and accomplish. I accomplished a lot in 2019, but it's now trying to take that to the next level. So, um, but what are you guys goals? I love to hear about them. I know I just hopped all around the fucking place in, during this in the of hay segment uh, we're going to get back on focus we have a new segment starting this week we're going to get into that and then after that it's me and gail from a seat at the table podcast talking about some shit <laughs> i'll see you guys right after this
0: well, 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 welcome
1: well. to cookie
0: chronicles now, in my in my yeah you know I was going through my head Looking for the queen. Your
1: hosts, The First Lady. You got the right one. I can't even pass on her. She walk around with all her damn out. The hottest show about love, sex, and relationships. Come by, your style and your physique. And I ain't trying
0: to critique, but you deserve a good drink. What's up? You're now listening to Cookie Chronicles with The First Lady.
2: Hey Saints and Aids! this is your girl the First Lady with Cookie Chronicles here in the DMV. I wanted to say welcome to 2020 and because it's 2020 and the beginning of a brand new decade, why not level up, shall we? Let's go over a few things we should do dating wise in the new year. So a lot of us are in our early mid-30s and up, right? So we should be to an age where we are wanting to settle down if we're not already. So one of the things that we need to do in the new year with dating is to take our time. Let's take our time getting to know people. I see so many people jump into relationships after they've known each other for only a few weeks. And it doesn't last. And they found out all these crazy things about someone that they would have found out if they had just taken their time now granted some older couples from way way back in the 60s and 70s they met they got married fast and they've been together for 30 40 years that's not how we work in this generation we can't do that we need to take our time let's not follow in those footsteps shall we there's too much going on out here people are crazier than ever we definitely need to know them before we get in relationships with them Number two, let's get to know their family and friends. A lot of times a person is a reflection of how they treat their mom and their dad and their siblings and their best friends. And if they have great relationships with them and they communicate awesome with them, then hopefully they will do the same thing with you. So watch how they treat other people around them, especially their parents and their kids if they have them. Number three. This one is more so for the ladies, but I think some men are guilty of this too, okay? Let's not introduce our children to men and women that we have just met or have only been dating for a little while. There are way, way, way too many cases, especially from 2019, of boyfriends in particular abusing and neglecting or sexual abusing little girls and little boys, like these children of these girlfriends that they are dating. And it is so sad because partially you have to blame the mom. Because why why you have your kids around people that you barely even know? Let's be more careful with that. Let's see if the relationship lasts at least eight months to a year before we introduce people to our kids. And even when we do, Let's not keep them around our kids by themselves without us. Take your kid with you everywhere. You never know who is sexually abusing your kid or just abusing your kid when you're not around. Let's be more present. Let's keep our eyes and ears open. Let's look out for clues, okay? And if you've been sexually abused in your life, let's get some help. That comes to my number four. Black people, you know, especially, do not care for counseling and therapy, and let me tell you, it's not what you think it is. A lot of black men, in particular, think that you just sit on this couch and you tell this stranger all of your business. And then they tell you what to do, which is partially true. You can sit on the couch, you can sit on a chair, you can lay down. But counseling and therapy is more so of you Telling them how you grew up, telling them why you want to be there, telling them, you know, all of the traumatic things that happened in your life and they don't tell you what to do. They just help you get a better view on it. They give you clearer vision. They ask you if maybe you looked at it this way instead of this way or how did you cope with it or maybe have you tried coping with it this way. They give you suggestions and they are listeners. You know, it's very good to have an unbiased opinion about a situation or yourself from someone that you don't know. You know, so many times we go to our friends and family and they're biased. They're biased because they know us and they love us. And a lot of times they hold their tongue even if they tell us that they're not. So it's better to go to someone who does not know you, who will not judge you and who will give you a better outlook on life. That's another thing. And you need to do that before you start dating, okay? And getting in these relationships because a lot of people have trauma from childhood that they carry over into relationships that they are unaware of until they are triggered, okay? So let's get that out of the way. Um, The next one would be, I would say... When it's time, introduce your significant other or the person you're thinking about dating to your parents or, you know, your mentors. Let them get a good look. A lot of older people can see through the bullshit, okay? And when you love somebody and you feel a certain way, you know, you're blinded by a lot of things that you wouldn't normally be oblivious to. Let's just say that. So make sure you introduce these people to your grandparents and your parents and your mentors. And even your best friend, you know? Your best friend catches a lot of things that you might not catch. And your best friend should be the one person outside of a, a, a counselor or a therapist that tells you the, the truth unapolog- unapologetically. Sorry. <laughs> so yeah, make sure you introduce these people to people that you love, but not your kids. Remember that? Not the kids. Also, 2020, if you're single, write down, meditate, and pray over what it is that you want in a mate. And make sure that everything you want someone else to bring to the table, you possess yourself. You should not have goals and ambition for someone if you can't bring those same things to the relationship for them. You shouldn't be asking that the man that you love and you marry Make a hundred thousand and don't have no kids and got perfect credit if you're not doing that yourself. You need to work on yourself, make sure you're whole. Because when you're in a relationship and you're seeking love, the person that comes to you should just add to what you already have. It should be a wonderful added bonus, not the whole package. Okay, make sure you possess everything that you are asking for if you have any. Traumatic issues, that's what the counseling was for in the last one. We're going to get that together. We're going to make sure we're good savers. We're going to make sure that our credit is good. We're going to make sure that we are awesome critical thinkers. We got common sense. If you need to get right with God or the universe or whoever it is that you pray and meditate to, do that. But make sure that you guys are equal and that you guys can possess the same thing and then the last one would be to just spread love to everybody you know everyone that you date is not going to be the one for you if it doesn't work out you can still be friends with them you know you guys can still be cordial there's no need to absolutely cut someone off if you guys vibed and you know you have some type of rapport with each other just spread the love you know stay friends maybe you have a friend that they can date or maybe they have A friend that they want to refer to you because you're not quite their type. You're better as a friend. Just keep your mind open, keep your heart open, and just be you. Make sure you're whole and be you. Well, I think I took up enough of everybody's time today. (laughs) I'm going to check back in with you guys next week. But again, this is Tia, a.k.a. The First Lady. You can check me out on Instagram at the first lady, D A F I R S T underscore L A D I, or you can check me out on Facebook at Tia the first lady. And I will see you guys next week. Have a good, happy new year. Enjoy your work week. Be productive and be blessed. Bye.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're doing another first-time guest this week, which I'm excited uh, to have on. Um, I'm going to let her introduce herself here in a second. Uh, I want to thank you guys for joining me on this journey. So, first-time guest, host of a Seat at the Table podcast. We got Miss Gel in the building. What's going on?
0: Hi. How are you? Doing all right.
1: I'm doing. I'm, I'm alive, barely.
0: <laughs> well, listen. We are about to turn up for Jesus's birthday, yeah, so. I mean. I'm gonna need you to get a little bit more positive about it.
1: <laughs> it's 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 about to be live, uh, definitely. Uh, it's 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 such a funny time, like with like all the craziness on Twitter, with, like people leaking nudes, and it's just been it's just been why it's like why do y'all wait till Jesus' birthday to act up? Because it's also the most wonderful time of the year. There you go. There you go.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: there and we you. all. <laughs> so uh, this first part of the podcast before we get into this dissertation as you as you called it that i sent you uh this first part is all about you so miss Gill, how did you get into podcasting
0: um so actually i did um radio in college for like i don't know three months <laughs> and, um, but i went through the process of getting my fcc license and taking a radio class what have you um, fast forward, I moved to Philly and, um, there was a group of guys that were starting a internet radio show and they had brought all these people in for auditions, um, which was odd in of itself. Cause it was like just changing out of the panels constantly just mm. to see the bit. And so I ended up being on that show and it was called, um, the let's talk shit show. Oh, wow. And- Yes. And um, then I joined a podcast ensemble with some work friends of mine, um, probably in 2014, 2015 ish. And we did that for about two years. And then fast forward, I. Thought I was in another podcast ensemble. We had recorded a show. I was like, "This is so great" because I just got laid off from my job. So, I was like, "Yes, this is it. Like my calling." And I recorded the show with them. And then, like a few days later, their show premiered, but I was not on it. And that is how I found okay. out wow. that I. Wow. Mm-hmm, and so that's how I found out I needed to just do it on my own. And I had time. So, yeah, a seat at the table was born. And it literally was born because, like, them Negroes took my seat.
1: Well, fuck them then. <laughs> like, they, they're the ones missing out. So, you know, it is what it is.
0: It is. Because, honestly, I believe in um, what Jewish people would call beshirt, like, kismet. And, like, I, this was ultimately the way it was supposed to be.
1: Oh, okay. Oh, um, okay. That's what's up. That's what's up. So like uh, you just said it. The next question was, what does the title seat at the table mean for you? But now we understand (laughs) the meaning behind that. That's, that's crazy. Yeah.
0: And you know what? It's funny because I was just going through um, a really, I think um, changing of the minds and a lot of things that were happening around me um, that kind of felt like as a, person who really favored control and planning. It was a bunch of stuff that was happening that I could not control, you know, getting laid off from work and all these other things. And Solange had just released the album, A Seat at the Table. And I just thought that it was like, I thought it was everything. And yeah, I think like right after I found out about not being on the show. She released the album and I, I was like jokingly saying like, yeah, those niggas took my seat from me. Mm -hmm. And friend of mine was like, well, girl, you just, you get yourself a seat at the table. And I was like, yeah, 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 that's it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's what's up. That's what's up. I'm happy for you. You Made your own lane. And it's so so funny. Like how stuff comes about from making your own lane and just saying (laughs) like, not waiting for people.
0: Mm -hmm. i mean ultimately it's almost like all of those things that happen are kind of par for the course for you to get to where ultimately you're supposed to be absolutely so yes
1: all right so that's what's up this is it's always funny how people get their titles of their podcast because some people just pick it some people has like a very deeper meaning that's what's up how did yours come about mine is so um like okay so the title the awakened soul so like awaken is is pretty straightforward it means to enlighten kind of and the soul part comes because i feel like when you when you really touch somebody y'all you connect on a on a soul for a spiritual level when you really really touch people so it means to enlighten and connect with connect with people so that's what the title full title means fancy it's not really that <laughs> fancy but it is what it is um so i got a surprise I, everybody their first time on i asked a surprise icebreaker question it could be completely over the top it could be something simple are you ready for it
0: can i plead the fifth
1: no no we don't <laughs> do that we don't do that here the fifth amendment <laughs> rights does not extend to the, to the awakened soul all right i'm ready are you ready you sure yes
0: okay. I,
1: uh, <laughs> what's the song that okay so what what's the song that hits a memory for you? And then what is that memory?
0: Mm, a song that hits a memory for me. And what is a memory? Um, you know what? Um, I remember being younger and my parents, their wedding song was endless love by Lionel Richie and Diana Ross. Okay. And I can remember like them playing it once. And like me, dancing with them in the living room which is such an odd thing for me to remember because there's so much other music soundtrack to my life but for whatever reason that's the first thing that came to my head
1: okay fair enough fair enough that's that's a dope song i have to put that i have to sneak that in there somewhere uh when i edit this podcast but oh oh, (laughs) man (laughs) (laughs) let's get into the shits um and I, I couldn't think of anyone better like I, anyone who listens to Seat of the Table definitely go and check it out. I love how you like break stuff down and like a you have a very great delivery where it's all fun but you be talking about some deep shit. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so yeah, I, I love it. Um. So uh, I sent you like this article and it's kind of topic that I threw this all <laughs> under is black women's perceptions of black manhood <laughs> and it, this 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 whole like thing is deep it gets to the whole psychological level what was your first uh thought after reading reading this
0: um so the article kind of starts off like because i studied psychology it was very interesting to read the whole thing because they set it up as um letting you know that kind of from qualitative purpose Um, or or um, findings, you're not going to find a lot of studies that go into the um, schema, as they call it, of black male to female relations as it pertains to expectancy and, or expectations and, um, relationships and commitment. So it starts off by kind of setting the table there and then goes into how they chose the people who were from 18 to 90 and like, um, just to give some color about it. So anyways, they go into this study, kind of setting up different situations to get, um, to elicit, uh, thoughts and um findings based off of generalizations or whatever conceptualizations about societal norms or what have you on um how black women think about black men mm-hmm. black men and how that um colors their interpersonal relationship and so anyways i thought initially that like um it's interesting that there are no studies really to support any of the information from, from this research Mm -hmm. group that, that took place. Um, and I thought that it was almost like a, I don't want to sound snobbish, but like a duh, like a lot of it was because I mean, as someone who has always been very, um, hyper aware of people like just to observe mm-hmm. it just it a lot of what they were saying makes sense so um yes <laughs> <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. so like okay so with with all this being said like kind of take stepping away from the article some do you think like men and women that we have a, uh we kind of l- view each other through our own traumas and that kind of skews our ability to understand what the other side's going through
0: um i think in some respect So um, I think that there is a nature aspect and a nurture aspect. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, that nurture is kind of what plays a role into us. All things considered, you know, societal norms and past traumas, present disrespects and traumas that happen and how that colors the way that we treat each other. Um, But I also think that from a nature um, standpoint that there are gender roles, which the article talked about, that are are just almost implied um, when it comes to interpersonal relationships, whatever, whatever that entails, whether it's familial or platonic or amorous or whatever, there are definite gender roles that kind of play into the
1: the correlation absolutely absolutely um i'm trying to think where i want to go next with this with with that being said like how the gender roles play into it how can how or being able to like kind of step back and, and have a different view on it how do you how do you yourself and in your interactions or your understanding of the opposite sex or even your own gender and sex like try to look through those misconceptions and those traumas
0: um I think it's a learning process mm-hmm. because I think that some of those traumas there is so I think that a lot of times it's colored the narrative is that um you know black men go through stuff and so we're going to treat them a little bit more gently but I think that for me at this point in time from a societal standpoint there's so much happening to black women that I no longer feel the same empath that I used to because what I start to realize is in the crux of Black women going through the same amount of difficulties, we are not being supported as much. So I now lean more towards supporting, giving that empath, that empathy to other women more so than previously because of the gender roles and the biases and all this stuff, I would probably... Think to treat a black man more
1: genteelly. okay 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 if
0: that makes any sense no
1: it does absolutely absolutely and like having that being empathetic empathetic is that is something that i think a lot of people a lot of men uh but to call my own gender in the, in the question we don't really have and i think we're some we're slowly trying to get to that but we don't really have with like knowing and understanding what women go through or your perspective is that we do lack empathy and it, that happens on both sides but it's It takes a to have a perspective of I don't know really like what to call the perspective, but you do have to gain a perspective to first look at it empathetically before you start to judge based off just the actions themselves or the reactions. You
0: know, I
1: think
0: that I think that if you are going to, you know, correlate with a, a man you know, whatever, whatever it is, but just in this case, black man to black woman, I think that there has to be an equality that exists in terms of the respect of the trauma that we both go through, Mm -hmm. you know? And like, I think that once that happens, the correlation will be different, but it's funny because, um, the article, or whatever that that book <laughs> which you sent me, um, it talks about kind of almost the theory of what came first, the chicken or the egg. Mm-hmm. So in terms of the way that we raise black men, so we want them to be these empaths and what have you, but we're raising them, skewing the, the emotional burden on the women that we raise and not on the men, but then being surprised that they're not what we need later okay. down the line.
1: Okay that's true that's true
0: so i think that even from that standpoint you know once again the burden is on us because the majority based on the study but just based on kind of data out there you know a lot of single black women are raising black men um and so from that standpoint sometimes the um because the gender normative doesn't exist in that home because she is mom and dad in mm-hmm. terms of responsibility and accountability. So, even from that standpoint, if she's raising him kind of not even given prudence to the gender role that she's taking on and how that may cause him to view her and view and correlate with women down the line, you know, it, it becomes a thing because then you're surprised when he is not, he doesn't have the ability to have that empathy. Yeah. But yeah. you're not really, you're not really
1: raring him for that <laughs> yeah do you do you, so in how we raise our our black men um do you think that that do you see that that that's changing it off because for example like with 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 my sons they're they're both very emotional i try to give them their space to be i try not to be like my dad was with me of the are you really bitching shut up just do it like i try not to yeah. be that and i try yeah. to be more affectionate with them than my dad was with me my dad was a great father but Um, I do think that that played into my part of, of not being empathetic and not being able to really know how to allow myself to be emotional for so long. So like, do you, do you, do you see that change from outside looking in as a black woman? Have you seen that? I
0: definitely do. And I see it from even the standpoint of what is acceptable gender norms, um, versus gender stereotypes, you know, allowing black boys to discover who they are, From every standpoint, you know, there's still that judgment that exists, um, but I think that we're seeing it a little bit more played out in the people that we view as celebrity um, and kind of their interaction Mm. with their children, you know, and I think that a lot of that goes into um, what then becomes kind of par for the course for pop culture and also kind of the way that we think the zeitgeist of a generation and the way that we think. So seeing that shifts the, there's like a cultural shift there, Mm -hmm. you know, and it may not be widespread yet, but in my, in my generation, I mean, I'm 40 years old. So seeing this in my generation, I've also lived during the time where, it was completely if you had your air pierced on the wrong side, that could really get you killed, <laughs> so so it's interesting, and yes, I do believe that there is a cultural shift, not enough, but you know in my lifetime, I'm surprised to even see this
1: and the, and the, that says a lot too, like that you've been able to see shift just what it has, and I think um and i and I say this a lot, but. I think like with us being uh, the generation that now understands the importance of things like this and mental health and are really, you know, not doing the thing of just pray it away like so many generations before us did, yeah. that it is opening the door for it to be more growth emotionally for men and women and for us to uh, us men and older generations to also look back and be like, oh, oh, this, I missed this. Like I was really going through depression, but I didn't think about it because I wasn't Taught to even look at mental health that way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Or even from the standpoint of the gender norms that we've assigned to black men and what that means in terms of, you know, he has to continue for all things, good, bad, or indifferent, all of the gender normatives that we've assigned to him. You know, as opposed to him kind of discovering um uh, what those are as it just pertains to him as a person, as a self, as a self actualized person. So being able to kind of operate from those two, it's almost yourself versus your tethered self. You know?
1: Exactly, exactly. <laughs>
0: like, which one are you gonna live in?
1: Mm. This some great. I knew this episode was gonna be great. I'm so <laughs> happy, like with the way this conversation is going. Um, what 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 was it for you like with you being forty years old, like you said, and seeing things change? Yeah. Did you always value mental health? Or when did that come, come about for you?
0: Um, You know what? I am a, a, the youngest of three. And so I always felt like by the time things got around to me, like no one really had time. And so a lot of what I did was be seen and not heard. And so because of that, I was always observing people and like really like observing, like, Sometimes I would just want to be in the room just to like, I didn't care what they were talking about, but just to kind of like see the emotion. And I would just be quiet and just be studying people. And I don't know, that just became a thing for me, okay. like to like really study people. I also think it's like a Virgo thing. Like we, we like to, we do love a good study session. So yeah, I think because of that, it kind of morphed into more studying of myself and what that means and the purpose of i am and all this other great stuff okay 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 yes what's up
1: i think my my journey in that personally just um i my my cousin who's like my brother so i always say my brother he passed away and it was the first time ever that i admitted and realized i was going through a serious depression And because of that, I've taken mental health and stuff way more seriously since then. But it was the first time that I felt like I really allowed my I've carved out a time for myself to feel. I was thinking so much about how my mom was feeling about and passing away, my sisters and everyone else that it was just like, wait a second. Wait, hold up. I'm depressed as shit. Like it was like my food wasn't tasting right. I was I was angry all the time and I just had to sit back and think about it. And going through that was like. Oh, this is that depression thing people talk about. Yeah. yeah.
0: How long was the duration for it? Because it's like, I think people can always tell the initial phases of, okay, before something happened, I was sad. This has been going on now for too long. This is not sad anymore. Like I might have a problem. Okay. It, like it, how it, long for me, that was like a it was like a year to two year period where it was like, all right, this is, this is not like a, a blip in the matrix. This is like, this is becoming my demeanor.
1: It, for me, it was almost two years. It was on and off for almost two years. Like, so I wasn't depressed the whole time, but I would have these long ass like 30, 40 day stretches where I would not smile. Nothing. I wouldn't be happy. Or anything, then I'll be okay for a little while and think, oh, I I got it. So it was really like a year and a half, two years that I was going through that.
0: You know, it's funny because for me, I feel like um, for me, it kind of felt more pedestrian where like I, I was sad. But after a while, it wasn't like one thing. It was just like becoming, like I said, kind of becoming par for the course for me. But I could still exist in the world. Seemingly having no one be the wiser that anything was wrong Mm -hmm. with me. You know, so I could go out, I could do anything, exist among people, and they would not have thought that I was depressed. You know what I mean? Like whatever. But I think that's it's important for people to understand kind of duration of time as it pertains to depression and also, um, you know, it being identifiable either to a trauma, a specific trauma or identifiable to just kind of more, this is now becoming my demeanor. It's not about one specific thing. This is kind of where I exist. Like I am constantly on this level, Mm -hmm. you know? So I think that sometimes people don't understand that. It doesn't have to be one way, like, depression
1: is multifaceted yeah yeah it it, it, depression is such a a a fucking dangerous ass thing It, it just it really is and i hate seeing like so many people be taken down like i mean we've seen numerous celebrities like i i i'm very close with dan from a few screws loose who talks about depression all the time and just like me now having my 33 year old eyes on it and you know going through what i've gone through in life it's just like I like to see how many people are lost and just really can't get out of that hole of depression. It's sad. And it's sad. And we have, and something that I I, like, I look at now is like, we have generational depression It's because we learn habits and stuff from our elders who they were going through, who never took the time out to be mentally healthy. Yeah. The negative actions. And it's just, it's built in almost generationally to us. And that's why I'm glad that we're finally trying to fix those things.
0: Well, you know, generational trauma or generational psychological um experience is is a real thing um i think negative coping mechanisms are definitely taught um but you know if i could just kind of again i'm not a psychological professional but what i can say is is that for myself um really kind of delving into something bigger than me, because here's the thing with me and my depression. A lot of it was about me living inside my own ecosystem, like within my own head, you know, and the depression for me was truly an attack of the mind and then an attack of the emotion. You know what I mean? So it was very willful for me to go forward and kind of get more control over my mind. Okay. So when I say that, you know, in all due respect to anyone who's suffering from depression, because it can, again, it's multifaceted. So how each person, whatever they prescribe for themselves is, you know, good for you. But for me, I can say that getting more working, kind of more inside my own ecosystem in mind to know how much actual control I have over it kind of led me into different things like manifestation, meditation, um, more spiritual enlightenment, mindfulness, consciousness, and not just conscious in terms of the way people view it in terms of being awake, but conscious and living in the present moment. So a lot of that has helped me to, um, kind of deal with my own depression and end anxiety.
1: Okay. Okay. Do you, um, have you with like going through that yourself, I know we're not, none of us are mental health professionals at all, but like any of your friends, anyone who looks up to you have you have you talked to them kind of given them anything as far as like with you uh like knowledge as far as like dealing with depression or anything like that?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely something that I explore on my show, um just kind of based on all of the things that I've learned through therapy and through schooling and through reading. And what have you just things that I've learned and even through um, my own study of mindfulness and consciousness and and what have you just kind of I use that stuff to give me material every week, you know. So, um, yeah, I think as opposed to me kind of going around and because there's almost something for me at least, it's almost something egoic about going to around to people and being like, so let me tell you how I worked it out, okay? Like, it feels very, very egoic to me and I just didn't want to ever take that approach going to my friends. Because for the most part, a lot of my friends suffer with um, mental health issues, you know, whether it be depression, anxiety, et cetera. And um, a lot of times the way that I speak on the show sometimes isn't the way that we correlate when we're together you know we just might be trapping smoking eating Mm -hmm. drinking having fun we not talking about you know too much of the mental health stuff that much if we are you know it's never that serious in terms of the way that i dive into it on the show okay okay yeah okay
1: that's what's up that's what's up to get back into like this article um one thing that I did want to have, like we kind of already talked about it, but I didn't want to ask the question, what, how, how important do you think the power of perception is on how we build our uh, relationships and connections? Um,
0: I mean, perceptions in terms of, um, stereotypes or any prejudices Mm -hmm. that we might have. Um, you know, I mean, it definitely colors some stuff and, um, you know, a lot of that for me comes from art because I'm a really like I'm an artsy fartsy person, like music, actual art, designing all of that stuff, movies. I love it all. And so even the way that we are perceived through art influences the way that we interact with each other, um, which, you know, the article talks about that. and talks about how that's why it's important for us I mean not necessarily chastising but saying that there has to be some importance into the way that we are depicted in in art Mm -hmm. you know and even the medium of television or movie or film or whatever the way that we're depicted um, really colors a lot of our correlation with each other so it's important that artists challenge themselves to not just be delivering um you know what is the expectation but exceed the standard for what is our reality so that we have more to work towards
1: okay that makes sense that makes sense i and i agree with you i think that the power of perception is is so misleading right because like perception can be confused for insight very easily you can have a perspective on things and think that that means that you have an insight on it because of of the things the way that you see it or what you've been through and really yeah. you don't have an insight you just you're just you have experiences but your experiences haven't really informed how you can be better than that so it's not really insight and i think that's the dangerous hole that we find ourselves in a lot is confusing perception with insight and then when you when you use your perception on on a situation or a subject and you give it to someone else at, in the in the Under the guise of it being insight, you've now misled someone else who's going to go on and maybe do those same actions.
0: Well, you know, it's funny because to me, I think that, um, I think that that's why it's important for us to, you know, and it's easier said than done to keep a clear head about it, what happens when you meet someone and the prejudices or perceptions that we assign people. You know, I think that a lot of times the manifestation of relationships that I have are very much based off of what happens here first, you know? So if I am, and it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. So if I believe, you know, intrinsically that niggas ain't shit, Mm -hmm. that is what I'm going to manifest. Even though in my heart, I'm saying like, Oh, I want true love or whatever. But in my mind, what, What is happening in reality will always be a perception, a a manifestation of what's already happened here. Okay. So to me, I think that and that's just something that I've learned. I've not always been that enlightened. So knowing that um, it doesn't mean that I won't happen upon, you know, someone who is not well intentioned. Or, you know, someone like if my perception is, you know, men ain't shit or whatever the case is. If I try to, you know, kind of say, well, okay, there has to be abundance where even where that is concerned. So that can't be the rule of thumb. Mm. It doesn't mean that I won't come across that. But once I start to think differently, so will my reality be. The
1: power power of manifestation is a motherfucker, right? Because it is. I think really that we don't understand how we can manifest things in our life, manifest uh, just over ourselves, over other people. And it's something that, you know, I always say we, we, we are powerful, even as humans, regular human beings here. We are powerful. And the power of manifestation is almost the biggest power that we do have outside of being able to physically touch and impact someone. So I'm glad that you mentioned that,
0: you know. Not to delve off the subject, but when I started to get into manifestation, what I started to learn about. And for me, it, that's tricky because as a Christian, you start to get into other things when you start talking about manifestation, or at least that's what you're led to believe. Right. Like now you're getting a little hokey pokey there,
1: like,
0: okay. you know, so studying manifestation for me became one of those things where I saw and read that intrinsically as black people that is really where our power lies and we've always known that based off history and science we've always known that manifestation meant a great deal to us so therefore using christianity in a particular kind of way allows you to dumb down what you innately have inside of you and start to believe something else right so from that standpoint alone A lot of us have this power, especially black people, this power of manifestation that lives dormant inside of us because we don't understand how powerful we intrinsically are. We have it inside of us. So that very power is what they hate about us because we are so connected to the soul source that intrinsically that's just who we are. But it just lives dormant because of trauma and all this other shit that's happened to us. And if we, we really we, got into it, we could be some bad motherfuckers.
1: Yeah, if it wasn't yeah. for the the trauma, the 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 hundred the hundreds of years that we were held back from being able to being able to progress, and then you know even then there were still there's still several things in place to, to really keep us from doing it. Like we we're ba- we're some bad motherfuckers. Like really, we
0: are. We are. I mean, the greatest amongst us from a human being standpoint, and you can think of it as all levels, and we're totally, I'm totally getting us off the subject, but you can think of it as all levels of us existing, whether it be athleticism, creative, being creative, intellectual, those people who are at the highest peak in those genres, these are people who understand the power of manifestation. Mm. Sometimes they're not always the best in terms of, hey, Tom Brady might not physically be the best quarterback but in his off season he spends most of his time fucking with his head yeah that's
1: (laughs) yeah he's he's talked about like mental elasticity so much for like the last three to five off seasons and people like when he first started talking about people like this motherfucker is crazy like you mean to tell me because you think you're not going (laughs) to get hurt exactly (laughs) because you think you're not going to get hurt you're not going to get hurt but yet he's been the healthiest player in the nfl for like 12, 13, 14 years.
0: And if you look at the people that he surrounds himself with the most, you know, in terms of conditioning and training and all this other Mm. stuff, listen, get into the fact that our power is definitely through mental, mental wealth, mental health, the conditioning of yourself mentally. You know, it's the, you know, Beyonce is the greatest because yes, she goes that extra mile, but in here she's the greatest. Absolutely. absolutely, And that execution alone is what everybody admires the most. Everybody thinks they admire the song and dance, but really what they get into is the fact that she is so tapped into her own greatness and delivers from that standpoint.
1: She's the, uh, the thing is I I look at it and you can tell me if you agree or disagree. I look at Kanye and Beyonce's, the way that they look at stuff are very similar. Beyonce's the non-toxic version of it. And Kanye is absolutely. the toxic version of it.
0: Absolutely. And all and you know what separates those two? Ego. Yeah. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Ego is and ego is so directly aligned to creativity because it is truly the inclusion of your thought process, a level of expertise that you think you have in a particular area, and then kind of your ability to creatively deliver from that standpoint. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> It is such an inclusion of oneself, um, that if you mistake it, it will become more of an ego thing. Like, but it's it's the more the more you make it less about ego and more about tapping into, you know, the the manifestation and the greatness that exists and taking the critiques and taking, you know, being able to be discerning on how to how to deliver from a, a higher standard. Yeah it separates you from being a Kanye versus a Beyonce. (laughs) Mm.
1: (laughs) That's, that's crazy, but that's, that's a great, great perspective. Uh, Anything left on this? dissertation i'm just gonna keep calling it that now before it is
0: such a book report i was like holy shit um hopefully
1: it doesn't scare you away from coming back on i promise i'm not always going to give you a book report but it's really a topic that the moment that that we talked about you appearing on the podcast i'm like this is the perfect person to talk to talk this
0: no i thought it was really awesome because again there is a lack of study out there um and i was just thinking to myself like god i can't wait to send this to like my cousin so we can like talk about Mm -hmm. it because it is um very interesting
1: yeah absolutely yeah. the way that, and this is the stuff that i read for fun like it's my brain is just so weird um <laughs>
0: i mean i look at a lot of pictures so you can't. <laughs> <laughs> So i
1: don't know fair enough let's get into some more fun stuff that's kind of the second half of this episode um yeah. talking about the creative journey so you're a solo creative much like me uh like most of your episodes are you by yourself um I'm kind of getting back to that I started off it was more by myself I've, I've had a lot of guests like this year but what's the most difficult thing about you being a creative and being a solo creative on top of that
0: um that it could I could skew very um ego You know, my thoughts about any particular given subject, what I think and how I feel and all this other stuff. And there sometimes it's hard because I have to source opinions of others and always do that with people that I trust. So then I'm always checking myself about what I'm delivering and the intent to which I'm delivering. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, you know, I mean, there's been times in the creative journey for me where I've taken extended pauses just because I believe in intent when it comes to being creative. And if I don't feel it, I don't want to deliver from that standpoint. Okay. (laughs) Like, My ego makes me feel like, oh, let me just give this to y'all. Cause like (laughs) y'all, you know what I mean? Like whatever. No, it has to be like, I want to always be tapped into the intention being, all right, I'm not doing this, you know, for any particular glorification or validation. Like there is purpose in this.
1: And I think that 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 separates the people who are in this podcasting game for a very short time than who do it. For longevity's sake Is that if you're in it To glorify yourself You're going to burn out If you're in it For what you can give back To your listeners And to the community And to the culture You tend to stay around A lot longer
0: Yeah because this is I mean It's a definitely Saturated industry At Mm. this point Or genre So You know It takes a lot to me And it's never lost on me That someone would like Take their time To actually listen to me Like Like, that means a great deal to me. Like, that is your time. You could literally be doing anything else. And you probably are while you're listening (laughs) to me. That's okay, too. But the fact that you would give me your time, you can't get that back. That means a great deal.
1: Absolutely. I think the, um, like, for me, with my creative journey, I remember the first episode got 23 downloads. And I was ecstatic. And people were like, it was 23. And my thing was... I, I those 23 people I'm gonna I'm gonna make it seem like I sold out the Madison Square Garden because those 23 people rock with me especially for yeah. it to be a brand new podcast the 23 people to listen to me not know who I am yeah I'm giving I'm gonna give my all to y'all so
0: yeah yeah and how long how many years have you been doing it now
1: oh my solo podcast has been around about two and a half years at this point. point two and a half yeah. Okay. Yeah, hundred. This will be a episode one hundred and forty-one, and it's just it's it's. And people ask like, how do I get burned out? or ever like? No, I honestly haven't, and it's because it's not about. Yeah, I, get, I I'm not gonna act like I don't have an ego. I'm not gonna act like I don't have moments of getting cocky because I absolutely do. But that's outside of the pot. Like I realize what I do with this podcast. When I get behind this mic, it isn't for me. It's for the yeah. listener. So
0: yeah, yeah, I get it yeah i get it i mean so what's next for
1: you i don't know i'm just continuing to build out the breaks media um i think like with that and that's why like i the focus has become less about my solo podcast because i have these 10 podcasters what podcasts because they have multiple hosts who have trusted their product w- with me by putting it with my yeah. brand and have trust me enough to say all right regardless of what what areas we need you to help in, we're trusting you to help us get to the next level. We're trusting you to help us improve. And so because of that, it's like, it, it's just crazy to me. It's crazy. Yeah. So that's the big focus for me in 2020 is like helping everyone improve and giving everyone uh, better resources than what they have now. Um, yeah. And on top of that, it, like for my solo podcast, like me, what I do here, honestly, I, I think I've been, I and I admitted this a couple episodes ago, I love doing interviews like this before a while there I kind of hid behind having guests on because it was like it I think I for for a while there for like six months there I stopped pushing the pushing the boundaries creatively I kind of got comfortable okay. in where I was and I was looking at the success I had and it's like all right I'm doing this too much like it need some some new stuff needs to happen so right. um it's really going forward is like doing and pushing uh stuff and having different conversations like this and just not being stagnant at all so
0: i mean it's it's hard doing any creative thing by yourself you know it's easier to be to exist amongst a group and you know what have you but um do you ever feel like there is kind of some complacency in being by yourself in terms of kind of the standard or expected standard that you perform at?
1: I think so. Um, because I think when you are a solo creative and everything's on you, you can get so caught up in, because you you know the work that you do, right? And you know yeah. that you put in a lot of work, but eventually like it starts evening out, but you have to weigh, is it evening out because I'm just getting stagnant or is it even out because I'm getting more uh, productive at what I do? And so, yeah. What about you? Okay. Have you? Have you had that moment where you're like, I I should probably be doing more. Like, have you have you ever had that feeling?
0: Yeah, I think I do all the time with this podcast because you know I am. I think that as someone who follows other podcasters, you know, or regardless, I think that a lot of the, a big thing for me is comparison, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. sometimes that breeds a level of, okay, let me push myself. And then there are other times where I'm like, well, okay, is this the standard that I should be performing at? And, and, you know, I'm probably not like, I don't have a shiny website. You know, I don't like my show is done on a very renegade level. <laughs> um, but, you know, I've always felt like in terms of the way that I record the show, or what have you, I've always felt like that was just temporary.
2: Okay. okay.
0: Yeah. Like I always felt like even the way that I deliver, you know, changing certain things and, and, um, I feel like there's always been a certain rhythm to what I do, mm-hmm. but I mean, it's, it's a lot of what I've done lately is challenge myself even in, um, kind of more, of a professionalism as it pertains to doing research for, for the show and caring about the content, you know? So does that mean more research? Does that mean, you know, just different things? Uh, The one thing that I think I have lacked in is almost the opposite of what you were saying. Like, I don't have guests. And so because of that, I think a lot of times um, I wonder, I teeter on wondering, like, am I getting too complacent doing it by myself? Okay. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. like, is that becoming a crutch or is that just kind of the brand of the show? Okay. I haven't decided yet.
1: <laughs> have you, have you, is, is having guests uh, go for you in 2020?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because okay. um, I think that there, it gives the the listener an opportunity to kind of hear a different voice And therefore, maybe see, you know, give a different view and opportunity to see themselves and someone else as it pertains to my show and not to not to make it one of those things where it's like it's just her ideologies, you know, kind of that is the brand. Like, I don't want it to ever be that I do want other people to be able to see that there is a seat at the table for them even if it is in complete opposite it's a complete juxtaposition to what i am okay so yeah i hope so
1: that's awesome yeah that's awesome. what's what's been your biggest accomplishment cuz like if you're i don't know if you're anything like me i'm always slow to like realize like oh i i this i at least did this in 2020 like or 2019 like i accomplished this goal like i'm always with the next set of goals i always have them going so like what's been your biggest accomplishment so far
0: to be honest with you, um, consistency and accountability,
1: Okay.
0: you know, like just putting more respect on the name of my
1: <laughs> listeners.
0: because, you know, I had to really challenge myself in terms of um, being consistent and what that means to my own credibility. You know, I said previously earlier on in the conversation that if I didn't feel intent towards my delivery, that I wouldn't do the show. And sometimes that would be a month, two months, whatever, mm. whatever I felt like. I felt like I was an artist and I'm sensitive about my shit. And if I don't <laughs> feel like it, I'm not doing it. You know, but then after a while it became like, all right, but girl, like, if that's going to be your brand where you're sometimes there and you're sometimes not, then you're sometimes going to have people listening and you're sometimes that not. you know. Yeah. And so I had to say, like, all right you've got to commit to this. You know, it's not about when you feel like it or whatever your intention has to be also commitment. So yeah, it's been, it's been even d- days or weeks where I haven't wanted to do it. I'm like, no, I push myself to do it.
1: That's awesome. That's awesome.
0: So yeah, I mean, I feel like I have to as well because I think that there's a lot of things that will change for the show in 2020, all positive.
1: Well, there you go. Speak that into <laughs> manifestation. We just talked about it. <laughs> right. So, so
2: that's that what's is up. right.
1: Yeah. So I do have a segment on here, and this is not something that I extend to everyone. So this let first before we get into this, let me just say I gotta ask you because I I, I told people that you were coming right. And okay. the episode that you sent in the recording for, I already told you. I had so many people talk about your voice. Where are you from? Because I couldn't place the accent.
0: Okay, so, which is so odd to me because I feel like, I feel like I do sound very New York. Do I not sound very New York? <laughs> very New York.
1: Not to like, I don't no. know. Like, <laughs> Stephanie from I Said No, she sounds very New York. Like, like, when I listen to her, I get nothing but New York vibes from her. I didn't get, like, I didn't inherently pick up on the New York.
0: So my parents, my family is Jamaican and I am from the Bronx. And, um, you know, I am probably in every way, shape or form an oxymoron to that whole sentence. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Being from the Bronx, being Jamaican, like everything about my experience has been an oxymoron. (laughs) Okay. so, yeah, I've, I've heard pretty much most of my life. About my voice, I've always felt like I sound like a Disney character, but <laughs> because I swear, like, honestly, and it's so funny because I've always talked like this, even as a child, like this is the way that I talk So all my friends were always older, what have you, like, except for my cousins or whatever the case is, But all my friends were always, I always talked like this, which was quite annoying to my, to my mom. <laughs> because you know, whatever, but um, yeah, i I feel like I sound very much like I'm from the Bronx. Well,
1: there you go, I mean that I, <laughs> just may be me, um, but not
0: <laughs> you with everyone else,
1: <laughs> but yeah, that was a funny day when I was like, see I told you people love your voice, um, but
0: <laughs> <sighs> that's crazy,
1: so I uh have on here that you have you could have a chance to ask me anything that you want. There's only been two other people in the history of this podcast that have gotten this extended to them. So you're in elite company.
0: Oh, anything that I want. Okay. So in light of what has been happening in the news about, and what we were just talking about, about gender, gender normatives and stereotypes, um, and recently, Dwayne Wade just did a interview with I don't remember the podcast show, but I know that um, Matt Barnes is one yeah. of the hosts. Yeah. And um, he talked about his son, his youngest son, um, who I believe his name is Zaire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and he referred to him as she the pronoun she or her. Um So for you, um, what if your son was supposed to come to you with the same kind of um, information in terms of how he wants to be referred to and what have you, what do you think would be hypothetically your response?
1: So this is, I'm I'm the guy who had a whole series on deconstructing transphobia, right? So I would, I would love to think that my response would just be to go to what he wants to be called um now it's easy to be not in that situation and say oh i would handle it perfectly so that's why i'm giving myself the buffer of saying well i would like to think just because i'm just <laughs> trying to be honest with myself like yeah. because yeah my, my mind right now is like okay yeah absolutely like because i would like to think that i'm i'm going to be able to speak through love and through regardless of if i agree or if i disagree the love should always be prominent and i just said like i try to i give my sons the space to feel where i didn't have that space to feel so Yeah, I absolutely think I'd be fine with referring to the pronoun that they want to be called. But I am human, so I may fail.
0: Let me ask you a question, Mm -hmm. which I've never asked a black man this question before. But in terms of your thoughts on gender roles and gender type um, or gender stereotypes, if your son were hypothetically to say that he was gay, Mm -hmm. what would be more upsetting to you? Thinking about sexually what that can mean to your son or the fact that you'd be more upset because he's not fulfilling gender stereotypes to you.
1: I don't believe I don't in, in like this is from the guy who loves to cook. Like I so I don't I, like that wouldn't bother me as far as the gender stereotype. I think honestly, the thing that would bother me the most if that happened is just me not knowing how to relate and how to give advice if he needed it. If he's going through something with that, I I don't know if I'd be able I'd be able to be there for him, be the lending ear. But what advice can I could I could I give him in that sense?
0: Because you assume that um, and this is more of a question, even though that came out like a sentence. But do you assume that because of two males correlating, that means that your advice would be any different than it would be if it was just him going through something with a woman?
1: Well, I I mean, in my mind, I think that I that I can speak from the perspective of like relationships generally. But if I because I've never been in in a same sex relationship, I I don't know if it's different. So if I'm giving an advice from the perspective of someone who's only been in heterosexual relationships, what if it is like I, I, I I'm very aware that I can only speak to certain things. So I would give the advice the best that I can. But it's like, all right, what if I am missing a gap here? Then I'm failing him and failing my kids is my is my biggest fear.
0: Do you think that correlation has a lot to do more with um, gender roles and assignments or more so to do with emote?
1: Emote. It'll be emote for me. So then if you believe
0: that it has to do with emote, then it wouldn't matter what sex we're talking about True. because it's more emotion has nothing to do with gender. Emotion has everything to do with just emotion, yeah. You're right. <laughs> just sense of being.
1: You're right. You're so, right. So,
0: so you know, and the reason why I ask that question because I'm very curious as to what is the what is the thing that impedes most on the correlational aspect between a black man and his gay child or his um non cisgendered assigned child, like what is the the block that makes you feel like you cannot connect
1: well see this it's not that I don't feel like I cannot connect I think- oh, no
0: not you personally oh. speaking, but more. Like
1: in general. Yeah, I I think it's it's think it's the fear of the unknown. Right. Because like part of the reason I did the whole deconstructing transphobia is because I wanted to be able to have the space to ask questions that people sometimes are just afraid to ask. And I think that fear of asking and maybe offending or just not knowing or not wanting to come off transphobic leads to uh, being paralyzed in a sense of, all right, I don't know how to proceed. I don't have any negative emotions, but because I I don't know, I don't want to offend and I don't know the right questions to ask. I'm just not going to say anything. And then, then you still don't learn how to, how to, you don't learn how to empathize because you're not asking the right questions. So you, you're afraid to ask the questions, the hard questions. I get
0: it. I mean, I think that, um, the interesting to, the interesting thing to think about is that, um, you know, everyone relates to people based off of their own experience. Mm -hmm. Right. So as a woman Any advice that I'm going to give you is going to have that perspective, you know, gender roles and what that means. I'm going to deliver a lot from that perspective, even in the way that I deliver the syntax that I use, you know, how descriptive, how verbose that I even am is going to be a lot related to gender role assignment, what have you. But I think that the challenge, the interesting challenge is for people to know that they can also relate on just a human level Mm. where it is not related to, because I'm a woman, I think that this is how it should be or whatever. But just from the standpoint of just as a person, this is kind of how I would want to be treated. And this is kind of what the even playing field should be. So, you know, I don't know. I think that that's still just kind of in terms of the family construct and um, how we look at men and women and the expectations on. I think that we have to definitely start to dissect, you know, we still relate on a very egoic level in terms of I relate to you kind of this is what I think and this is mm-hmm. how I feel. So I'm going to treat you based off that and not necessarily um, based off of me tapping into who you are and what that means for your needs and what have you.
1: OK, I agree. I agree. It's 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 whereas like the, the conversations that need to be had, like within families now, because there is so much, you know, there's gender roles, nonconforming, conforming it just it adds so much depth but when you painted that from the perspective of just connecting as a human like throw throw like let's not try to say i'm a man connecting with my transgendered son or daughter yeah. I'm, a, I'm a father yeah, connecting to all my
0: those words right there yeah. come with its own preconceived exactly. notions
1: I'm a, i'm just a father connecting with my child
0: yeah Yeah. Yeah, You know, all of the so the titles and shit come with its own preconceived notions like, oh, you know, and it's interesting because black people have to relate on a like we don't we can't just relate as man to woman it's like black man to black Black woman woman. and that that in and of itself has its own context so when you come at me you're coming at me at this as this black woman you know and all of the things that are assigned to that as opposed to you just coming to me as human to human you know a woman nonetheless but we often correlate as the black man to a black woman yeah. and and that has been um less sometimes less than a positive experience
1: <laughs> that's a fact that's, that's a fact well ma'am you, you 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 came with a good question like that okay i see what you did there <laughs> i see what you did there you you we almost spun off into a whole mini episode with with you i question. know i know
0: <laughs> I'm good for that.
1: <laughs> okay. Oh, man. Anything, anything left before we close for the night?
0: Well, no, thank you so much. And thank you to your listeners to, you know, for having me and um, check me out. A seat at the table podcast on. Oh, my goodness. On iHeartRadio, on Spotify and on Apple iTunes. There's a myriad of places, Stitcher, all these other places. But honestly, Spotify and I. Podcast,
1: Apple Podcast. Yeah, once Spotify gets a rating system, it's over. It's over. I
0: know, Mm -hmm. I know. It's pretty. It's pretty nifty that Spotify.
1: Yeah, I love it. Well, I want to thank you for taking time out like your day to come be on my little old podcast. I appreciate you and everything. And I've I've seen you more active on Twitter lately, which I need. I want to applaud you for. So, thank you. You've been killing it. You've been killing it.
0: (laughs) You know, I don't and I hate I disdain social Media, but um, I've met A lot of awesome people on Twitter So yes yeah. Yeah. Yes, That's all awesome. my boo
1: <laughs> Well, we're gonna go ahead and tell The people good goodnight, uh, thank you thank For checking you. us out, we're out This mug, peace <laughs> Peace
2: yeah. In my cone, yeah, goons, Sipping yeah, with the goons We go back many wounds, yeah
1: Bought these racks in these raps, platinum plaques, coming soon, yeah. In my cognac, boom, sipping, yeah. With the goons, we go grab mini moons, yeah. We just chat, over tunes, bought these racks in these raps, platinum plaques, coming soon, yeah. If they here with me, they family, we all got history. Share ambition for that chicken, I don't mean rotisserie. Others always in some drama, I don't let that get to me. I stay low, I mind my business, ignorance is bliss to me.